and turn over to the book of Luke this morning, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 26. Again, characters of Christmas, and today our first character is Mary. And I don't mean character as in she's a crazy character. I mean just she's a character, all right? I don't know if that defined anything, but nonetheless... Luke chapter 1 today, verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We're going to begin reading there. Let's start in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. The angel departed from her. This morning we start our series characters of Christmas, and we look at this most intriguing character, Mary. There's a number of things that have been shared or said about Mary that probably are exaggerated and even at times untrue. And yet, in the pages of the Word of God, we find a tremendous picture of a wonderful believer. Mary is a wonderful young woman, one that I'm sure every father would be glad to have his daughter emulate. I'm sure there's not a dad in the room that wouldn't be happy if his daughter was of the moral character and possessed the courage that this young woman possessed. Mary, an amazing young woman. We see here in our passage that she was chosen. Mary was chosen in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth. He went to her. He chose her specifically. We see that she was commended. Not only did he go to her and choose her, but then he elevates her, he exalts her, he commends her, he begins to speak of her virtues. He goes on to say in verse 28, And the angel came in and said unto her, Hail, thou that are highly favored. That's a pretty good uh, commendation, isn't it? To think that God highly favors you. Well, in this case, he highly favored Mary. 
Not only was she chosen and commended, but then she was counseled in verse 31 through 33. It goes on to say, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. It goes on to speak about how he'll be great, how he'll be the son of the highest. He'll occupy the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. Said that the kingdom will have no end. She's counseled now. She's being told about this child that she will not only conceive or have conceived within her, but also will ultimately bear. But, but Mary is curious. Mary's curious, though. In verse 34, she says, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? I mean, you've got to be kidding me. Okay, wait a second. I'm listening to you. I'm hearing what you're saying, but how's that going to How's that going to happen? I mean, I'm not a very old uh, person. I'm pretty young in my life, but I know how the birds and the bees work. And unfortunately, something's missing. How in the world is this going to happen? And listen, I think that was a great question, don't you? I'd have been asking the same question. I know Joseph asked that question. How in the world is this going to happen? She was very curious, and I understand it. So she was chosen, commended, counseled, and curious, but she was also convinced. This this angel begins to share with her in verse 35 how it's going to take place. That the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Wow. You know what? Mary was convinced. I mean, she had heard what the angel said, and she realized and recognized that being young, she had many things and obstacles to overcome. She recognized that she needed a man in order to have a child, and she said, I don't have a clue how this is going to happen, but if you tell me it's going to happen, I believe you. I'm convinced. And she was compliant. Verse 38. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. See, the Bible tells us that Mary was espoused. The Bible says in verse 27 that to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. That means that Mary was already given in marriage transactionally, legally, if you will. You've got to understand that to be betrothed in those days was to be set apart as a wife. There was already as good as done. Once the two entered into this particular espousal or this covenant, Joseph needed to only prepare his finances, procure some housing arrangements, and then he he needed to come and escort his bride to their new home. That was all that was left to do. They were as married as anybody that stands before a preacher today and says, I do, is married. They were already married. It wasn't like our engagement today. Where you get engaged and, well, all of a sudden you get some shaky feet and, uh, you, you know, you start knocking. You go, oh, no, I think I made a big mistake. I'm calling off the wedding. A spousal was totally different than that. You might as well be married. You, you've already said I do. You've already made your vow. It was a done deal. And that is exactly why when Joseph found out that Mary was with child, he had the right To put her away. Because they were already married. 
You say, well, wait a second, what's the difference? Well, there still was one event that was going to take place that would consummate the marriage, and I need not go into the details, but let me say that it would take place and everything would be in order. But the reality was, is legally speaking, it was already done. That's why Mary could travel with Joseph. That's why she could be with him by herself, because they were as good as married already. It was already a done deal. The espousal had taken place. Mary ultimately ends up in the house of Joseph. And Joseph finds out that Mary is with child. Can you imagine that? There's a good possibility that Joseph found out when they were preparing to consummate the marriage that all of a sudden he says, now we've already been a spouse. Every of the, all the legal aspects have been taken care of. Our families have been with us in the celebration as we, we celebrate this move from your father's house to my house. And all of a sudden he says, all right, it's time. And she says, whoop. Now listen to me, that may sound a little crazy, but there's a good possibility that Joseph found out at that time that his wife was with child. And he went, whoa, 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 wait a second. We don't do, we don't play that game around here. And then he went, I got to deal with this. I'm sorry, but I got to think this through. Can you imagine the shock? We'll talk about Joseph next week. But Mary now, here she is, a young woman. Some of which estimate, get this now, some have estimated, some have even implied that she was possibly between the ages of 12 and 14. In their culture, it was not uncommon to be married very early. You know, today, you know, someone gets married at 18 years old, we go, oh my, oh my, they're so young. In those days, 18 would have been probably well within the bounds, probably even exceeded the norm. Even in our own culture, in our country, a number of years ago, 16 wasn't uncommon. But in those days... She could have been anywhere from 12, 14, maybe 16 at best. And here she was, prepared, ready to enter into a marriage that would provide her with substance, safety, and stability. There were no government programs to take care of people. There was no other means by which to care other than your own home or your husband's home. And when you were out in the world, you fended for yourself. Mary was a young woman, very young, and here she was now with child of the Holy Ghost. I want you to think about what ramifications could be in store for her. Let's face it, Mary's relationship was at stake, wasn't it? I mean, Joseph could have easily said, forget this, man. I mean, I didn't buy into this. I expected a a pure girl. I expected someone that hadn't been with a man. I I never dreamed I'd marry somebody that already was with child. That's not how it's supposed to work. If you'll recall correctly, he was prepared to put her away privily or privately, which means he would not have married her. Because the goods that she 
presented were not the goods that were real. It's fake. I want to encourage you. Let me just encourage you. You young ladies in this room, I want to encourage you to present yourself pure to your husbands. You say, well, our culture's different and it's no big deal and, you know, those kind of things are things everybody does. No, I'm telling you that in God's eyes, that He, de- he delights in a young lady that will stand on a stage and ultimately say, I do to a man that, when she is pure. And may I say, young man, God intends and His expectation for you is that you remain pure as well. I don't care what our culture says, and I don't care what the direction of our world is. It doesn't matter because God's word is consistent, and it is always the same. God wants a virgin standing on the altar, and he wants a virgin as a man standing there as well, and he wants the two to come together pure. You say, well, what if I didn't? Well, then don't do it no more until you do it God's way. We're not perfect people in this world. But do not for a moment believe that God understands willful disobedience. He does not. He is gracious and merciful and and very kind and loving. But he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Mary was a young woman who now, her relationship was at stake. Her reputation was on the rocks, if you will. It it was so, so, it could easily have gone the wrong way for her. Her resources were at stake. I mean, look at this young lady. She's not going to have a husband, therefore she's not going to have a means by which to continue in her life. She'd be out on the street begging for bread, possibly. If her life is spared at all. What does Mary teach us this morning? What she teaches? I think the real lesson that we learn is found in verse 38. Look at verse 38. Notice what the Bible says. It says, and Mary said, after she got all this, after she received all this news. How am I going to have this child? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. I mean, the Holy Ghost's going to come upon you. You're going to have this supernatural conception, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be biblical proportion. Oh, okay. Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Do you realize what she just said there? He said, well, of course I know. She said, you know, be it unto me according to thy word. I know, but think about that. Mary is really saying, Lord, I don't have a clue why you chose me or how you're going to work it all out, but you have it your way. I'm just going to trust you with all of it. Can you imagine that? Oh, I mean, it's no big deal. I'll just go home and tell my mother that, you know, the Holy Ghost is going to conceived in me. I'll just let Joseph know that it was just, you know, it's all about God. The Lord, Lord did it. I mean, wait a second now. Do you realize what we're dealing with here? Do you realize the position she's going to be placed in? The difficulty she's going to potentially face? The ramifications that will possibly come as a result of this honor. But Mary doesn't get bitter. She doesn't get upset. 
She doesn't lose her perspective. She just simply says to the Lord, Be it unto me according to thy word. Do whatever you want, Lord. It's okay with me. I trust you. That's what Mary teaches us. Mary teaches us to trust God. You know, if there's an area that God's people struggle in or struggle with, I think it's this area of trusting God. You know, we're extremely good at fretting and worrying, aren't we? Abraham Lincoln was a lawyer, and in his circuit-riding days, he and his companions would ride to the next session of court on horseback, and they would cross a number of rivers, often very swollen from rain and, or, or possibly even snow melting, things like that. But the Fox River, the Fox River was still ahead of them. And they would say one to another, you know, if these streams have given us very much trouble at all, I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine what it's going to be like to cross the Fox River? Well, when darkness fell, they stopped for the night at this log tavern where they entered into some fellowship with a Methodist preacher there. He was a circuit-riding preacher in that particular district and happened to stop there for the night for some lodging. And he had crossed the country in all kinds of weather, and he'd even crossed in the Fox River on a number of occasions. And so they began to ask him, well, what, what do you think about that Fox River? And, and uh, you know, uh, what kind of state do you think it'll be in when we cross over it? And he went, oh, yeah, the Fox River. Certainly, uh, yeah, I, I, know, I know all about the Fox River. I've crossed it often, and I understand it extremely well. But I have one fixed rule with regard to the Fox River. What's that? I never cross it till I reach it. I never cross it till I reach it. I read a poem that goes like this. Air is polluted, water is too. Fish that swim in it are not good for you. Fresh fruits and vegetables, delicious you say, don't eat them. They're loaded with pesticide spray. Avoid dairy products, say no to red meat, cholesterol levels must go in retreat, the rays of the sun will most certainly fret you, stay in the house and radon will get you. If you walk in the woods, you can really get sick, Lyme disease is spread by a pinhead-sized tick. If one thing won't get you, another one will, but don't worry, be happy, because worry can kill. Isn't that something? And then about how it is, I mean, it doesn't matter where we go, it, it would turn on the news or, or read the newspaper or get on the internet and all of a sudden somebody's telling you why we ought to be worried about something. There was this woman from America that had dreamed for a number of years of going on a train ride through the English countryside. Finally, the day had come. Her dream was realized. She boarded that train. She, uh, she boarded the train. She made her way to her car. And all of a sudden, she began to fret all about the windows. Uh, it sounds like there's a little... I, I can't seem to get that window to seal quite tight enough. And, oh, my luggage needs to be scooted over. And, and, and it seems a little cold in here, doesn't it? And before she realized it, to her dismay and to her shock, they had reached their journey's end. And with great regret, she said to that person that she was meeting 
with there at the train station. If I had known I was going to arrive so soon, I wouldn't have wasted my time fretting so much. You know, that's how we live our lives so often. We worry about everything, and before we know it, life is over with. We waste, waste much of our time worrying about things, even in most cases, that never even come true or never happen. And God admonishes you, you and I, to not worry about things. In Philippians 4, 6, he says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In Matthew 6, 34, he says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In Luke chapter 12, verse 25 and 26, we read, And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Boy, I wish I could get taller. I always wanted to be at least six foot. Five, eleven, six foot at least. See, there was this, this linebacker that played over at my high school, and he was, he was like, I mean, he was an all-star. You know, everybody loved him, and he ultimately got a scholarship, went to college, and he was five, eleven. I thought, if I could only be five, eleven... If I was 5'11", I could play football and I could get a scholarship and I could be big man on campus. I always wanted to be 5'11", at least. Now I wish I was 6'2". Maybe 3 even. It doesn't matter how much I want to be taller, it will never happen, will it? Put me on the rack and try to stretch me out, I'll gain maybe 3 quarters of an inch. But every joint will be out of place too. <laughs> the pain wouldn't be worth it. And the Lord says if you can't add to your stature, if you can't cause yourself to get taller, then why in the world do you worry about all those other things you can't control? On the other hand, other than instead of fretting and worrying about things, the Bible admonishes us, God admonishes us to trust. In Psalm 20, verse 7, he says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. In Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. In Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. He says it's, even, it's, it's better to trust in God, the Lord Jesus Christ, than to trust in yourself. You know, I know a lot of people that don't trust others, but they think they're the answer. If I get my hand in that, I'll fix that, I'll take... Unfortunately, you're trusting self. I've pulled myself up by my bone bootstraps. Really? And God can take your health today. And you have Nothing. Nothing. You know, I'm always amazed as I... I, 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 you know, and this isn't always the case. Today, there's a, a number of younger people that have tremendous wealth in our country. But it seems that the majority still are rather older. Much older than me. I often think to myself, it's kind of sad to think that we work all of our lives and get to a place where we can enjoy our finances, but we don't have the ability to. Or we can't enjoy them the way we would like to. I mean, I wish I had the 
spit and vinegar that I had when I was 27, 28, and 29. And then had that $10 million, $100 million, and could go jet skiing and skydiving and all those crazy fun things. You couldn't get me to jump out of a plane today. And it wasn't that long ago I'd have done it. We've got some nutty people in our church that have done it at older ages, older than me. They're nuts. You won't get me to jump out of a plane. Not now. I mean, to think that I went through all these years and made it. Only to... I don't think so. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't see it happening. Now, here's the thing. I want to share three thoughts about trust today. Three... I did it earlier. Three. <laughs> Count them. Three. Here they are. We don't got much longer, really. We're going to move quickly. Number one, I want you to note the principle of this issue of trusting. See, Mary teaches us to trust. I love it. I love what she says. Hold on. The principle. Now, let's, let's go back to our passage a second. You don't need to turn there, but think with me for a moment. Mary has been told or given this news. Before the news ends, she's told about Elizabeth, who also is with child. Remember, she's going to bear John the Baptist. Elizabeth is six months into her pregnancy when Mary is approached and told she's going to become pregnant. Mary now takes a journey, and when she arrives at Elizabeth's house, the baby within Elizabeth leaps. She is so thrilled, Elizabeth is, so honored... To have Mary, the mother of the coming Messiah, in her home. That she begins to share things here in the Word of God. She makes a statement that I believe speaks volumes to us concerning trust. I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 1 verse 45. Notice what Elizabeth says about Mary. Boy, this is big. In Luke 1 45, we read... And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Notice that phrase, she that believed. Man. You know what she just said? Mary believed what God told her. She believed God's word. Here's the principle. Here's the principle. When we truly believe... We can totally trust. When we truly believe, we can totally trust. That's our first principle to understand trusting the Lord. If you truly believe God and His Word, you can totally trust Him. People say, I have a hard time trusting the Lord because you don't really believe Him. Oh, yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. You say, how do you know that? Because Mary totally and completely trusted God, but it didn't happen until she truly believed. I mean, when the Lord came to her and said, guess what? You're going to be with child. Well, I know. Me and my husband, we're going to get together and we're going to have babies and we're going to have a wonderful family. No, no, you're going to have one without a man. 
Really? Okay. She believed. She went, okay, sounds good to me. You tell me that the Holy Ghost of God is going to come upon me? He's going to conceive a child within me? I'm going to bear the Messiah? Okay, be it unto thee as thou hast spoken. Whatever you say, Lord, that's it. That's okay with me. I believe it. Therefore, what's Joseph going to say? Oh, well. What's my mama going to think? Okay. What's the community going to have to say about the message? I mean, are they going to post my name and picture over there in the wanted list, over there in the high society page, and share about what's going on in my life, and show why I'm not worthy of anybody talking to me, being around me, because I'm not really that virtuous? No, I'm not going to worry about any of those things. I'm just going to trust you, because I believe you. If you're big enough to conceive a child within my womb, without the use of a man, the way everything works around here, it seems, guess what? I can trust you with the future. I can trust you with my life. I can trust you. When we truly believe, we can totally trust. Do you totally trust the Lord? I mean, really, think about it in your mind. Number two, we see the principle one. Number two, the proof. You say, what do you mean the proof? Well, hold on. Let me give you the, 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 the proof here. When we totally trust... We will walk in truth. So here's what I mean. When we truly believe, we can totally trust. But when we totally trust, we will walk in truth. What do you mean? Well, Job 13, 15. Remember Job, he's going through a difficult time. And he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. In Psalm 56, 3 through 4, the Bible says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. See, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, no matter what I'm going through, I am going to maintain my ways. I'm going to continue to depend on the Lord. I'm going to continue to stay close to him. I'm not going to plot my own course or make my own way. Instead, I'm going to do, to do everything I can to diligently seek Him and to please Him with my life and every action of my being. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you totally trust the Lord, when I totally trust the Lord, I will walk in truth. And the Bible says, Thy word is truth. You say, I totally trust the Lord. Do you? Well, let me watch your life a while and see if you comply, if every aspect of your life complies with the Word of God. You say, no, I trust the Lord. I just don't do what the Bible says. You don't trust Him then. You really don't trust Him. You, you believe yourself to trust Him, but you are lying to yourself because truly, when, when we totally trust, we will walk in truth. Let, let's say I was going to, I had a need of a car. I have need of a car, and I drive home from work one day, and there sits a beautiful 2008 Cadillac DeVille. I like it. It looks like mint. And, and I find out that the price is good. I make a phone call. Wow, you, that's a good deal. That's a really good deal. So I, I have a friend, of course, and most of us have a friend. And um, he's been a mechanic for a number of years. 
And uh, he's helped me on a number of occasions when buying a used car. And so I call him up. I tell him about the vehicle. He agrees to meet me the next day over there, right where the vehicle sits. And so I'm coming home from work that day. There's my friend sitting there. I'm, I pull in and I say, hey, hey, that car, what do you think about it, man? It's mint, isn't it? It's beautiful, isn't it? He goes, well, hold on. Let's check it out a little bit. So the owner comes on out and says, hey, guys. I say, yeah, I'm the man who called you. This is my friend here. You know, we're gonna, we'd like to take a look at the car. You mind if we take it for a test drive? No, go ahead. Start it up. Do whatever you got to do. So we, we, we start the car up. You know, we listen to it a while. And, you know, my friend's over there. Hmm, checks underneath there and underneath there. Lifts the hood. Does all kind of stuff that mechanics do. You say, why aren't you telling us what they do? Because I have no clue. So anyway, he begins to take a look over it and, and he listens to it run. He takes it out for a test drive and he expresses some very disturbing findings. Well, that wasn't what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear him extol the virtues of this wonderful car. I wanted the green light on this thing. Buy it. It's a deal. It's a steal. But instead, he warns me to pass on it. I reason with him. I mean, the car is so cheap. And even if it would, if I would have to get some work done right off the bat, immediately even, it's still a good deal. And, 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 and he just shakes his head no. After doing my best to share my enthusiasm with him, he remains skeptical and he even discourages me from buying it and is dead set against it. Now, I do trust his judgment, but I want that car. I know he's been there for me in the past and he's there for me right now. I know that, but the car. I claim to trust him, but I still buy the car anyway. Does anyone find my position to be somewhat inconsistent here? I mean, I trust him, but if there's a word that saturates and litters the vocabulary of most believers more than any other word, it's the word but. You know, I love you. Lord, but I want to serve you, but I trust you, but when we totally trust, we will walk in truth. We see the principle, we noted the proof, but let me give you the payoff. Of this trust. When, when we walk in truth, we will receive many treasures. Trusting in God will yield a world of benefit in your life. And I want to share just a couple of them. Number one, protection. In Proverbs 30, verse 5, the Bible says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield. He is a shield. Listen to that. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Shields are for protection, aren't they? They protect us from the fiery darts. They protect us from the, 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 the attack of the enemy. Trust will protect you from hurtful lusts and harmful ways. When we trust in God and we apply His Word to our lives, we're spared 
a number of pitfalls and a number of consequences that a life of sin brings about. You know, being where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to do, that goes a long ways to keeping you very safe and secure, both physically and spiritually. We see protection, but we also note purpose. Trust will provide you with purpose as well. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, we've already read the first portion, but let me continue. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Man, I'm going to tell you something. When we truly trust the Lord with our lives, when we are walking in his truth, there are so many treasures that abound. We find that we have the protection of God. It keeps us out of messes left and right. And it provides us with purpose in our life. Someone says, I, I don't have, I just really don't have any real motivation to get up in the morning. I don't really have any real reason to live. Oh yeah, I know life itself. I've got my family. I've got my kids. But let me tell you, a lot of people that have those reasons never continue. Oh, don't do that. You have a wife that loves you. You have children that that adore you. You have family that care. Doesn't always help. You know why? Because people need to feel purpose within. Can I tell you that God placed a vacuum or a void in your life that can only be filled by Him and His purpose for you? You know, when you seek to go off on your own and do things your way, you may find temporal pleasure, but you will never find the purpose God intended for you. When you totally trust the Lord, you will walk in truth, and that's when you will experience true purpose in your life. You know, we we spend a lifetime plotting a course that either leads to disaster or often ends up nowhere. We get to the end of our lives and we say, what does my life really consist of? Who have I really influenced? What tremendous, what major difference have I made in both this life and the next? And sadly to say, sad to say, a number of people come to the conclusion that they have only reached a very small, limited group of people, if any. And most people feel that they have failed to measure up to their full potential. And they go to the grave with regret. I wish I would have spent more time. I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have given over. I wish I would have... Too late then. God says though, When you trust me completely, wholly, without reservation, you will find purpose in your life. Because you will be following the footsteps of truth. You will end up exactly where I wanted you to. And the amazing thing about ending up where God wants me to, it is the very place that provides me with the most satisfaction. But too many will have to try to figure that out on their own and in the end realize it when it's too late. The payoff, protection, 
the payoff of trust, protection, and purpose. But finally, peace of mind. Peace of mind. You know, when you really trust the Lord, I'm talking about trust the Lord with your finances. Trust the Lord with your children. Trust the Lord with your spouse. Trust the Lord with your job. Trust the Lord with your service. Trust the Lord with, you could put anything you want there. You'll find peace of mind. Isn't it sad how many people are tormented? I mean tormented. Tormented with jealousy. Tormented with envy. Tormented with vice. Isn't it really amazing when you think about it? It's amazing to me. Do do you want to know why they cannot find peace of mind? Because they don't completely trust the Lord. You say that's ridiculous. You can trust the Lord and still worry about everything. No, you can't. No, you can't. You really can't do that. Again, just because everybody seems to worry all the time, doesn't mean that God intended you to do it. Nor does He give you a pass to do it. See, God wants you to be free of worry, and God wants you to be free of the fret. God wants you and I to be free to focus our attention on Him and those that He says are worthy of our attention, others. We spend our lives drowning in worry because we do not trust Him. We don't believe God really does have our best interest at heart. We don't believe God really does know what's best for us. No, no, if God did, He would know I can't live without this person. He would know I can't do without this thing. He would know that I must have that. No, trust Him. And you will find peace of mind. You will find purpose in your life. And you will find protection from the pitfalls and the consequences of a sinful lifestyle. A man was speaking about his mom and he said that she was very, a very troubled Christian, very anxious person. He asked her, you know, he, he woke up one morning and he, he saw her smiling, I mean, from ear to ear. And he was like, Mom, what in the world happened? I mean, I've been speaking to you day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, about this issue of of fretting and worrying, and you have not one time conceded. You continue to wake up every day with the burden of life on your shoulders, always a frown, so to speak, on your face, never at peace, and never lighthearted. What happened? She told him about a dream that she had. She said she was walking along a highway with a, a great crowd of people who seemed to be very tired and, and very burdened. They were nearly all carrying, they, they, they seemed to be, almost every one of them was carrying these little black bundles. And, and she noticed that there were a, a number of very repulsive looking beings, which she thought seemed to be demons to her, kind of shuffling in and out and dropping these black bundles for people to pick up and carry. Like the rest of the people there, she grabbed hers as well, and she was needlessly loaded down. 
Looking up after a while, she saw another man with a very bright and loving face walking about through the crowd and comforting people along the way. At last, he, he came to her, and as she, he drew near, she saw that it was her Savior. She looked up and told him how tired she was, and he smiled sadly and said, My dear child, I'd not give you these loads. You have no need of them. They are the devil's burdens, and they're wearing out your life. Just drop them. Refuse to touch them. You'll find the pathway easy, as if you're being born on eagle's wings. He touched her hand, and immediately peace and joy filled her being. And there, immediately, she flung those burdens down. And as she began to throw herself at the feet of the one who had given her this wonderful gift, she woke up. And she found that all her cares were gone. From that day to the end of her life, she was the most cheerful and happy member of the household. She had realized in that dream that all of those bundles or packages that Satan and his demons passed on only wore her out, only stole her joy, and that she was given authority to cast them down. They're not hers to bear. And may I say that you and I are bearing and carrying so many burdens today. God did not give us those burdens. The devil gave us those burdens. Cast them down. Be free of them. And know God's joy and peace. When we totally believe, we can totally trust. When we totally trust, we, can, we will walk in truth. And when we walk in truth, we will receive many treasures. Mary, she was a woman of tremendous character and godly conviction. She was confronted with a very difficult situation that threatened her life, her livelihood, and her legacy. Her relationship with Joseph and her reputation were ready to come crashing down. But then we read these very inspiring words. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy will. Whatever you want, Lord, is okay with me. I, here it is now, trust you. Mary simply trusted the Lord. The question today is, will you? Will I? Will I trust Him with my life? Will you trust Him with yours? Will we trust Him with our loved ones? Will we trust Him with our livelihood? Will we trust Him with our life eternal even? This morning, will you trust Him? The song says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Will you trust Him today? 
Today, if you died, do you know 100% sure you'd go to heaven? I mean, do you really have it settled? Do you know when you close your eyes in death that you will open them in the very presence of Jesus Christ? In order to know that, you have to trust Him. He said, but as many as received Him, then them gave you power to become the sons of God, even them that believe in His name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you trust Him to do that in your life? If you haven't, you do not have peace in your life. When you lay your head on the pillow at night, you don't even know where you'll spend eternity. Don't tell me that's peaceful. I want you to know God will give you peace today. Peace of mind. Both in this life and the next. But you have to trust Him. Trust Him with your soul. And trust Him with your life. Even today. Father, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, for this time that we had together in your word. We ask, Lord, you'd bless it. Now, again, we need you desperately. Lord, be glorified in this service. May we, as believers, make a conscious decision to trust you, even with those things that we do not understand. And in doing so, Lord, we'll find that protection. We'll find that purpose, and we'll find that peace of mind that is only found in total trust. Father, help us today, we pray. Lord, today in this crowd, there may be somebody here that's without Christ that doesn't even know, doesn't know for sure if they died, they'd go to heaven. They don't have it settled. They don't know for sure. Before you leave here, why don't you settle it? In just a moment, the music's going to begin to play. Won't you simply step into the closest aisle, come to the front and see me? I'll have someone take a Bible. If you're a man, a man. If you're a woman, a woman. And show you from the Word of God how you can know without a doubt heaven's your home by trusting His Word and Him. Won't you let the Lord do that today for you? And if you're a child of God, won't you just take that situation, that circumstance that seems to be overwhelming you, that one that's drowning, that you're drowning in, Simply trust Him. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed. Father, bless this time of invitation. In Christ's name, amen. Music's playing, won't you come? You need to be baptized today, won't you come? Settle that. You you, you feel the need to join a church that's teaching, preaching the Word of God, and you need more information about it, or you've been coming a while, and you say, it's time for me to settle that. I want to submit myself for membership. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Well, settle it then. Don't leave here without with those doubts. Nail it down. Know for sure. The Word of God is sure. It's tried, it's proven, it's tested. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven.
Maybe you need someone to pray with you. There's folks here at the altar that'll be glad to do that. Make your way forward. Just look to your left or right. Somebody will step in and say, hey, what can I do for you? How can we pray for you? that opportunity to settle that salvation to secure it to leave here with a comfort, a peace that says I know where I'll spend eternity I know because I have God's word on it You may be seated. We're going to have a baptism in just a moment.
All right, we'll get this thing figured out sooner or later, huh? All right, Brian, you ready to go? Oh, watch your head, buddy. Yeah, we're, we're determined here to damage you in some way, brother. <laughs> Be careful. One, one more step. One more step. Turn that way and have a seat right there. Put your feet right underneath there, and we're set. Try to keep this as try to keep it as painless as possible. But we've got a few obstacles over here that make it tough. If you've ever been baptized, the ceiling's a little low. So if you're tall, like Brian is, well, you got to duck. All right. Praise the Lord. Brian, based upon your profession and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, my brother, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death. Straight back, brother. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. God bless you, man. Amen. Congratulations. It's good stuff. Can we get your wife in here now? Okay, Connie, you ready? Just be careful on them steps, okay? Yeah, just be careful. It's, it's not too bad, but let me just... Okay, you got two more steps. One, one more step. There you go. And you'll have a seat right there as well. And face this way as well. There you go. There you go. Put your feet right underneath there. Great. All right. Connie, based upon your profession and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, my sister... I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death. Straight back. Straight back. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. God bless you. Congratulations. Amen. That's good stuff. Well, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Mr. Jurgen, why don't you come and close us in a word of prayer? Be very careful as you go up those. Let's all stand to our feet, please. Again, tonight we want to invite you back, 6 o'clock this evening. Also... Uh, don't forget about next Sunday as we continue in our Characters of Christmas study. We'll be dealing with Joseph. We'll have a good time there as well. Tonight, 6 o'clock, love to have you back. Our Father and God in heaven, we thank you for the message we heard from your throne today, Lord. We ask that you would help us to trust and abide in you, Lord. And we ask that you would bless the flock as they travel home. Give them safety in this rainy and wet weather, Lord. We'll give you the praise and your honor and glory for all things done. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen.